Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another exciting episode of the Gold Blade Purple Haze podcast. I have a very special guest for you all today. Uh, he's a colleague of mine named George, and um, we're going to talk about uh, quite a few things. We're going to give a lot of our perspectives from some happenings in the past year. Uh, we're going to talk sports. We're going to talk uh, shoot wrestling. We're going to talk a few other things. So just sit tight, kick back, and uh, enjoy the ride. We're about to run straight through. Hello? Senior George. Hello, sir. Uh, what's happening? Man, not much. So uh, we, we live, we're recording. Um, I want to first uh, thank you for taking the time to jump in in on my podcast today, man, and, uh, you know, to share a little bit of your time and your expertise. Uh, no, no, no problem, no problem. <laughs> so how's everything going for you today? Uh, I just got out of, um, got off work maybe like an hour ago, but, um, I'm doing good so far. I'm doing good. Good stuff. Um, I actually ended up lucky enough to be off today, so I've been uh, I've been messing around on some some music uh, uh, software and stuff. I've been playing around with it for a little while, but um, I think what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna uh, get into like uh, I forgot what you call them. They're kind of like not really lip syncing type of videos, but it's like you know how you you record multiple parts. Covers. I want to do covers. Uh, songs. Yeah, like song covers. But then I'm going to come back once I finally understand how to use some video editing software to be able to do like they used to do the blocks and things like that. So you'd be doing multiple parts. So I'll be playing around with that for a little bit. But we'll see. What genre? Uh, some of everything, really, man. I think to kind of help boost the podcast and boost my online presence, I'm going to end up like uh, doing whatever's trending, you know, so probably top 40 and all that stuff. And go from there. Okay, that sounds that sound promising. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully it don't turn out too terrible, but you know how you gotta, you gotta make garbage behind the scenes so you can try to put out something decent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like New England been doing all season. Oh, so you tried it. <laughs> your, your damn Phoenix Suns ain't won nothing since I was a teenager. Man, so. get off my sons, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Matter of fact, I had to just go look up the, the lineup. That's how bad it is, man. I'm like, I don't know nobody over there. I know Chris Paul just came through, though. Nah, they got a, other than Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they got a bunch of young players. But they, they should at least make the playoffs this year. If man, not, we should. If not, unless some, unless the players get hurt, time for people to get fired. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, you know it's funny. I heard somebody say years ago, like uh, Phoenix is that place where people go when they get hurt or they washed up, and you know they on their yep. way out. And it just didn't hit me until I realized, like I think they had some kind of uh, advanced like joint and. Uh, you know, recovery type of facilities there. And then I got the best in the league. Yeah, 
yeah so i was like now nah, that makes so much sense but i didn't realize that you know till much later so heartbreak it's just there phoenix i ain't gonna say well now nah, i will say but go, go ahead because <laughs> <laughs> phoenix kind of been the dumpster fire ever since uh steve man's book is back like last year in the bubble was the first time they had never showed any momentum as in turning things in the upward direction. So, yeah. Hopefully things uh, turn out good for them. Man, we'll see. But <laughs> that was something that, um, that I definitely want you to get into today because I know you're so familiar with like the stats, the histories and all of that stuff. But for me, I'm one of those folks that likes to just sit down and watch and I'll, I'll get my enjoyment or my feeling from what I see happening. You, you know, so. sir, you are what we call a casual fan. Okay, see, now I, I didn't want to label myself. You know? <laughs> I figured if it was one, sir, you would know what to slap on there. So. <laughs> yeah. yes, I guess sir. I'll take that for what you it is. What we call a casual fan. <laughs> I, and for some reason, I feel slightly disrespected. So, drop kick on the way. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet chin <tea and> music. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir, from across the ring. Uh-huh. But hey, man, uh, so why don't you go ahead and uh, kind of introduce yourself, you know, whatnot, and uh, we'll go from there. Um, I'm George Shavers. Um, I'm a student at um, the University of Arkansas, Little Rock. I am going into sports journalism, so I kind of got into that lane as in I really got the idea from my from one of my friends because that was something he was doing and for me like growing up I kind of always was good at English and good at writing and I love sports so it just kind of seemed like a no brainer to combine the two nice so that's where I'm at really right now. I'm glad the semester is over because I'm totally turning my brain off. <laughs> <laughs> at least for a couple weeks because I might try my hand in doing a podcast thing or at least uh, practicing on it. And um, yeah. when I'm not at Sam's Club, um, I'm currently in a program with... ESPN Plus and Mueller and um, that's kind of like one of my paid um, what's the word called paid um, internships or like a and um, I gotta do that again next Saturday I don't know who we playing but uh, yeah I gotta be there at uh, 1 o'clock next Saturday for the basketball game Oh man, so you uh you'll end up doing more than just basketball though, right? Yeah, like um, basketball just started. We, the, cause I didn't get it next Saturday. It'd be like my fifth time, I think, or fourth time doing it. And before last Sunday, 
um, we was doing volleyball games. Nice, very nice. And that was interesting <laughs> because I didn't know a whole lot of, I didn't know a whole lot about volleyball. And, you know, if I'm gonna be trying to go into the profession, I'm going in. It's kind of good to be well rounded. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we we kind of suck, but you know. <laughs> hey, y'all must got an easy coach over there, man. Taking uh, the time. I, I coached she, she, um, uh older white lady. Uh, she like she get on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> man, I remember. Uh, I think it was like middle school PE, and that was the first time I ever like played volleyball, or saw it, and all that stuff too. As far as like in person, you know, you see it on TV every now and then, you know, 90s and early 2000s. It was plenty of, you know, beach type of stuff ESPN was covering. And so there was that. But um, to get in there and play it, I realized I was like, this is actually pretty cool because a lot of people like turn based, you know, games and stuff like that. But volleyball is pretty impromptu. Like you got to be pretty quick on on your feet. Mm-hmm. And hand eye coordination, all of it. Like your reflexes got to be together because I've seen a couple games that I was filming where balls is going off people's faces, and I was like, yep. I know that hurt. Hey, <laughs> cause these ain't just no light taps. These grown men and women and folks that's you know got <laughs> they got anger outside of that dog on court in school. <laughs> and then so, you on the basketball court. So I seen, you know, girls diving to uh hit the ball. I, was like, I know that I know that ain't no good for the knee. That ain't oh, no good man. for the knees. Yeah. Well, one thing I liked about that, just in theory, was like you realize that this ball stays in the air. However many times it goes back and forth, it does not hit the ground until you know it does. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that's pretty cool. It's, it can be exciting. A lot like, uh, you know, tennis in that it can be real fast paced and stuff. But um, I always thought it was pretty cool. So um, anyway, man, uh, well, that's that's cool. I think uh, I don't think I've ever. Well, I went to a few college games whenever I think I had my first round over at UCA. But I don't think I've been to Euler and seen uh, any of them play yet. I mean, I've seen them yeah. uh, on TV here and there. You can, they, they, they one of the places where, you know, they have a capacity because, like, when I went, the game I did last week, um, the fans on the, it's, it's only fans on the left, left uh, hand side of the Jack Stevenson Center, and the rest of it is uh, empty. Okay. And then I went one time, uh, like the first volleyball game I did, they had like the regular seats like you would see um, on the sidelines of the NBA uh, court. And when I did it, came back and do it the next time, they had them all spaced out. I'm pretty sure that's because of COVID reasons. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's definitely been fun. You know, it's been a learning experience you know um like a like i spoke said to you earlier like it was interesting to see 
the background of what we see on TV being in there and see how everything works. Right, right. And we were talking about like uh, like commercials and stuff like that, how pretty much at any given time, somebody's got their hand in something. You know, it's always like closely taken care of and ain't like somebody just push a button and everything is done. Right. Because when I was in the production truck, I was like, I mean... It's kind of some cool stuff because, like, other than uh, other than when we getting ready to go to commercial, or my boss of the ESPN thing, like he telling the people that's on the camera like what type of because it's not just me, like it's other students that do it as well, like that was on the cameras. I just happened to be in the production truck last week, you know, he mm-hmm. telling them what angles they're trying to get. And uh, but for the most part, other than when we, other than when he was trying to tell them what to do, or when we was getting ready to uh, go to break, we really just watching the game, like you would be watching it on a TV. Nice. Except y'all got guaranteed spots. You ain't gotta bump shoulders and elbows. You ain't gotta crawl over nobody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Man. And that's something else I think that's been kind of crazy because you mentioned COVID and everybody having to sit on one side. I've, I've been to Jack Stevens before and I know it's a really big area. Like it's a lot of space and it's got a pretty high capacity, I think, for some other things around. Um, and uh, I think it's, it's cool that they still allow people to go in uh, considering how everything's been. But what you think the outlook is going to be like? Do you think it's going to be better? going into this next year because I know we're in December and we're coming up on like a year of the U.S. having you know effects and things in place um, based on COVID and this pandemic that spread so quickly honestly it's gonna come down to in my opinion uh, how the vaccine is sorted out like how quick they can get it out to like actual people because of course it's probably gonna go to the rich first or you know like the people in business and media because you know, mm-hmm. them the people with the money like I'm pretty sure because I think I might have read an article where like the NBA players like the NBA are probably um um, some first dips on whatever the vaccine is. So, oh, wow. I think it just depends on, you know, people still doing social distancing and wearing their mask. Just, I think it's just going to depend on what the people do right or not. Yeah, and I think so too. It's just kind of like, we've heard that so many times, you know, you just have to do what makes sense to make sure you're not spreading it. And it seems like it's not hard in theory, but for whatever reason, people either don't care or they just feel like, okay, well, you know, it's going to be all right. It's not going to be a problem if I have a party and invite everybody over, you know, whatever the case may be. And I got to talking to somebody the other day who was pretty much saying uh, they thought whenever we do get these vaccines out 
because I remember there's a hierarchy uh, that is supposed to go through, and I think they were saying it's like first responders and you know healthcare and that type of deal. Then it just kind of trickles down, you know, to uh, I forgot where it goes next, but I know it ends up going through nursing homes and you know older people that may uh, maybe like more at risk. I think they should get it first. Right, I think so too. But um, you know, they prioritize these things the same way they do the flu vaccine to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. But my concern is like uh, piggybacking on what I was going to get to is that whenever people do get this vaccine, I'm not sure that they're going to, uh, you know, take the time to let the vaccine work and be effective before they start just saying, all right, well, I got it. I'm going to pull my mask off. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to be all right, you know, whatever. Because there were a lot of people that were asymptomatic. And then beyond that, apparently you could get COVID multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, this whole thing is crazy, but I can't say what's going to happen, man. I'm just trying to hang on. Yeah. Just trying to keep my mask on. Stay out the way. Cause I hate wearing it. I hate wearing a damn mask, but it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, man. So, but we'll see. Um, before we get any further, I did want to ask you a mm-hmm. question. So this is a a bit of a philosophical question. Okay. Um. It is very general, so you can take it how you want mm-hmm. to. Which is more important to you, the journey or the destination? Mm-hmm. Knowing me, probably the destination. Okay. Cool, cool. I'm a I'm a journey person. I like the. Would you like to smell the roses? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Process I mean, I like to take in all the details of things. Yeah, because I think for me, it's like, okay, once we arrive there, then it's done. What else do I have to look forward to? Well, see, so. I kind of look at that different because just because I said I'm probably more of a destination person, that don't mean I don't enjoy the journey. It's just that, you know, once you make it, you know, there's always room for improvement. And, you know, just because you make it, that don't mean you, you solidified in your spot. You know, there's always somebody that's bigger or better or better, no matter what your ego trying to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> true very true this coming from somebody who works in an area where everybody is bigger than me <laughs> make me feel like a little kid yeah <laughs> <laughs> but it's all good <laughs> but yeah man uh that's something i always uh always like to ask uh people in general just to kind of see what their outlook is it's not necessarily how they think but it's their outlook i think on life because for me I have a tendency and I guess more of a habit to run in circles and so I've kind of embraced that to understand like I may get somewhere eventually but in the meantime I want to 
enjoy as much as I can about where I am before I'm ready to bomb. And uh, I, I get lost in details and things like that. That's why it's funny. Uh, whenever I made my first podcast episode and I was thinking about a lot of things, you know, just trying to, uh, well, I'm, I mean, you get to certain points in life where you have to examine, you got to analyze and redefine who you are. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I was doing a lot of introspection and I realized even in talking and in my thoughts, I end up bouncing around you know, back and forth like a squirrel <laughs> on and off trees and things, you know, or a dog uh, chasing a ball, you know, it's like attention span is like short, but when I'm on it, I'm on it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, I feel you. Because like, for me, it's like, I, um, I would say because, because of where I'm at right now, like, my answer would be the, um, the destination because I kind of just started the journey. So mm. I'm hungry to get to the destination. I got you. I got you. Because like, I just got out of the general studies part and I'm actually in my field and you know, I'm making advances to learn you know, all the nuances of uh what I'm trying to do. So, I would say maybe in a couple years, my answer probably would be the journey. Nice. You never know. And I think the biggest thing for that is just making sure that you're comfortable wherever you are so you can make the most out of whatever it's going to be. Right. You know, I mean, that's already, you know, a blessing within itself that you made it through those general studies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I say that because I started school back in January and I'm finding out that I'm going to have to go back and get some uh, general studies taken care of before um, everything is said and done. Like I'm still working on, you know, major coursework and my actual field work, but uh, business administration. So I'm in management and all this stuff, just to kind of build on what I've been working on. I'm going to mess with all that math and stuff. Yeah, man, that math is serious, <laughs> brother. Especially when when we had to sit down in class the first night, and it was like, okay, what does it mean to add? And we sitting here like, is this a trick question? And it was like, okay, good, good. What does it mean to subtract? And I'm like, hold on, what is going on? Tell me, tell me something crazy gonna happen. And so it was like, we went through some of the simplest terms and things, but then it ramped up so fast, George. I lost my dang mind at like two and a half weeks. Yeah. Uh, It can be overwhelming. But yeah, when you uh, learned it, like, because last night, like, I was, (laughs) I ain't gonna say I was stressed out, but like, I had to get my girlfriend to help me, uh, do my project because like I'm to the point where like I know how to write and you know type stuff up and all that but I'm not to the point where I know how to edit stuff and she kind of know how so I had to try to double dabble in it because for me I think that's the next step I want to say that's the next class one of the next classes I'm supposed to take 
like uh like writing. Uh go ahead. Like you're gonna learn how to edit and stuff like mm-hmm. that or just the composition? I learn how to oh, edit okay. and stuff because it's like, man. But the way we we was doing it, we did it on our movie. It was kind of easy, but it was difficult at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, that's one of the new skills I'm trying to add to my repertoire. Yeah, same here, man. And it's crazy. It's one of those things like, you know, coming up like we did where technology was advancing to the point where we were able to keep up on whatever was brand new. Uh, Don't be saying no we. (laughs) Oh, here we go. Okay. Well, I was just going to say, no, you know what? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm going to let you go ahead and get it out, man. (laughs) No we. You about about 34. You got about a good. Eight years on me, a ten plus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, shoot, I'll, I'll be thirty two here in a little bit. I'm just trying to <laughs> look, man. I was trying to, I was trying to help you. You know what I'm saying? Uh-huh, like, right. Uh huh. Right. That's alright though. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, the way I came up, it's intimidating for me now to know that I don't know how to edit, I don't know how to use this software, you know, and I'm, I I know that there are, like, kids out there, for example, that do this junk the same way I might pick up an old uh, NES controller and go to work. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I realize where I'm at in life, and I'm kind of like, okay, I can either learn this, or I can just try to hand it off to somebody else, or I can just not do it. And it's that where I'm kind of like, I know a lot of older people that said, I never learned computers. I never learned how to use a smartphone, and, you know, all this other stuff. And it's like, you can acquire skills. You just have to be open to learning it, right. you know. So that can be hard sometimes. And I know there are areas where I'm just not comfortable and it is what it is. So I'm going to just figure out what I need to do to get what I need out of it. But Yeah, because hell my girlfriend had I uh I didn't have an iPhone probably for about four years now it's aspects of it I still don't know how to do oh, man. <laughs> she be showing me stuff and I feel like a pop off <laughs> right right <laughs> thank right. god for help <laughs> Yeah, man, my girl keeps me on uh, on top of some of the newer technology uh, whenever it comes to, like, mm-hmm. Apple Apple and iOS-based stuff because I've had PC, I think, more often than Android, more often than iOS. Even though I've had an iPhone and, you know, a MacBook and an actual Mac years and years ago, uh, things change, you know. So having to make them adjustments is just a part of life. Anyway, we'll make it through. Keep on pushing. Got no choice. <laughs> um, I mean, we do. No. Can't do shit without no phone. <laughs> Seem like woods. Surely. <laughs> <laughs> I say it's gonna be fun, but you know you can do it. I, I have. I know somebody that does that. So. Anyway, um. All right, 
George, a game to one. Ah, uh, ah, uh, go ahead. LeBron, Kobe, and Jordan, and they bribe. What the score is going to be like? Like you said, Kobe, LeBron, and Jordan playing away 21 or something? Yeah, 21, and they prime each of them. Uh, I, I probably would say it'll probably be LeBron and Michael Jordan because playing 21, like LeBron outweigh both of them by like 40 or 50 pounds. So if he get the rebound, he can just back them mm-hmm. <laughs> He can just back them down on the post and just put it over their head. Well, not put it over their head because he only like I think three inches taller than both of them. Golly. But I, I, I probably would say I can't go against MJ. I probably would say MJ probably win. I say Brian will probably had like eighteen. Then Kobe probably had. 20, and I'll say MJ had 21. Then MJ okay, okay. So it'll be a close, yeah. close one. But Jordan and Kobe would team up to try to tire out LeBron and, you know. If he get them on the block, <laughs> it's going to be bad news. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. If he actually has 40 pounds on him, is he really yes. that much bigger? Kobe, I think the biggest, and this is Michael Jordan, after he came back after uh, his daddy got killed and smoked cigars and all that type of stuff. He was like uh, 220. Yeah, the And I think that's probably the biggest Kobe ever got was like 220 to 210. LeBron, like two, well, he didn't lost weight because in Miami, he probably was closer to 300. Not 300, but he was like 270, 260. Now he probably like, yeah, we were in Miami. Now he kind of, now he probably like 20 or 240. Dang. I didn't know that, man. I mean, I just assumed these guys were closer to, you know, 230 or even some of the biggest ones, maybe 250. Because, like, that's a lot of running, bro. And these guys, are... he he about the same size as uh, Carl Malone. And Carl Malone was a power forward. <laughs> Golly, no taking. I um I've seen just a few NBA players like in person. I feel like um, L.A. came and played here uh, one time at Alltel Arena, and I can't remember who they were playing. It might have been Portland. But it was a real random game. And uh, I was like, oh, well, it's cool, you know, to see people live. But I wasn't that close to him. And I actually got to meet Carmelo Anthony. And it was more of a, a height shock thing to me because I thought I was fairly tall, you know, in my circles and stuff. Not like, you know, uh, basketball player tall, like I'm 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, but dude literally had to lean down to put his elbow on my head <laughs> to take a picture. And I was like... I feel like a little kid, bro. Uh, like, for real. <laughs> like, so, 
me, um, I'm a, I'm 6'3 or 6'4. I'm the height of a point guard in the NBA. Or a two guard. Mm-hmm. And then you got other things to take into account, like, you know, reach, wingspan, as is, all that other stuff. And those are advantages each player can have, regardless of, you know, what right. position they play. KD, so. he listed at 6'11, but he looks seven foot. Right. When I stood and said somebody that was 6'11. Yeah, that's crazy. Like they tall, they tall, tall. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think for me, man, by the time folk get like six, seven, six, eight, uh, it's it's all the same to me. <laughs> like if I got to, if I got to uh, look all the way up at you, like you, you just up there, and I'm not even finna ask. It don't matter. Just to think, like. <laughs> Shaq seven two. Man, and you can already see like how much he towers over a lot of the players on the court. So a lot of those cats that get you know seven plus, I can't imagine how intimidating that must be if you get out there and you ain't played against nobody that size before. Shaq, wipe wipe your ass off the map. <laughs> And dude was huge. So, right. <laughs> there's that. I remember uh, back in college, I was uh, I was running behind a few friends that actually played uh-huh. ball regularly. But we were, you know, all around six feet. Most of us were under. But um, one time I hung around and went in there, and it was a cat that was 6'6". Six, six. And he was just over there practicing. I ended up playing with him a little bit, and that was crazy. Because I'm like, this dude looked like Jordan, and they're supposed to be the same height. I'm like, it ain't no doggone way I'd last out here. Because I was like, I had this this idea. <laughs> like, how can you be? <laughs> George, don't laugh at me, man. <laughs> it made me think about that boxing saying, they said, everybody, everybody got a plan until they get hit in the mouth. <laughs> Man, <laughs> and that's how I felt because I was like, okay, watching. Okay, I've been watching NBA for years. We all grow up watching something, and I'm like, how can you be out here and you're a professional ball player? You've been playing six, ten years, and you going out, you getting all these accolades, superstar. You only putting up four points a game, and they they clapping for you like you did a good job. I'm like, bro, I get out there and shoot 15 random shots, at least hit four or five. That's the thing, though. Like, that's yeah. that's really, like, how big the gap is because, like, I'm trying to think of somebody that people claim is sorry. Um, like Jared Dudley. He played for the uh, Lakers. He, he okay. probably averaged about five or six points, but if he played somebody off the street, he'd get on their ass. <laughs> And that's the part I think I just I can't understand it. Even though, like, like I said, I played around people that are that height. I still look at it like they're not professionals. They don't literally spend, you know, ten hours a day at the gym making sure that they shot is right, the technique is right, they're continuing to build so they can do more than just shoot. You know, I'm like, I I think my 
expectation versus reality just that mm-hmm. line up. <laughs> Because, <laughs> like, uh, think about, about the most sorriest person, hell, even an NBA player that by percentages can't shoot, hell, they they go to a court somewhere in the street, hell, that probably wouldn't miss. Mm-hmm. So, I think it just that just show you how how big the gap is from the bench warmers to the stars on the team. Plus, you got different uh, levels of the league. I remember when I first found out about, like, the D-League and how it worked and how hungry those guys were in there. I was like, you can go watch some of them games and get a real thrill compared to some random, you know, regular broadcast, national broadcast that you're going to see. Yes, sir. They changed it to the G League because I guess <laughs> calling the D League made them feel disrespected. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure, you know, the grading scales <laughs> had something to do with that back in the 90s and early 2000s coming up, man. Uh, D used to be the worst thing you we could get. I was about to say you, but you know, you, you already separate yourself, so that was the worst thing we could get. You know, if you get a D, you might as well get an L. So, I could, I could. You got sent to the D League. Like, oh, damn, you must be sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to go to the G Leagues because we're old G's out here, man. Boy. But, anyway, man. Well, George, that's, that's about all I got, bro. What you, what you got, man? What's, What's on uh, your list? I want to ask you, how did you feel about the whole election thing? Uh, as far as like uh, from start to finish, yeah, or like the uh, like the outcome? Okay, all right. So for me, I um, I think around the beginning, I was very skeptical that things were going to move in a direction where Trump could be put out of office. I felt like if he can cheat the election once, then surely it shouldn't be that hard for him to stay in. And I say that because I can't tell you how many presidents since I've been alive have not served two terms. And uh, I remember looking back just I don't know if you ever uh, paid attention in history or like you took a class where they have a textbook and you'll see all the president's pictures, you know, one after one and all that. And then you just start from George Washington all the way to whoever's current. And I remember seeing Teddy Roosevelt on there 15 times, you know, and all this other stuff. And then, (laughs) uh, you know, they changed up some of the allowances for how many terms they could serve, how many years, right. and all that other stuff. And I was like, most presidents, especially in the past, I think, 60, 70 years, have been at war while they were in office. And apparently the people felt safer with whoever was in office than trying to put somebody brand new mm-hmm. in. And so I was like, with everything going on, we've got we're on the brink of a civil war here in America and Trump basically will either, I feel like there were always threats around and I'm, I'm getting to the election to just kind of provide a backstory, but 
I felt like there was something uh, lingering that was just going to come all the way to the front, whether it be a, a civil war from all the unrest that was going on, whether it be, uh, you know, Korea, North Korea finally comes over and says, hey, you know what? Uh, we found them spies y'all sent us two years ago, so we declaring war on y'all. Or Russia, you know, the direct ties that he had with them, or, you know, NATO had gone down, all this other stuff. I'm like, something bad is getting ready to happen. Uh, war will be declared, and what are we going to do but to have some super aggressive, hypersensitive person in office that will try to eliminate the threat? And most people are just going to flock to that because you don't want to Right. live in fear I guess so I just anticipated that he would not get put out of office and there was no way that Biden was going to win and as the votes started rolling in and the numbers started coming through I felt like I did whenever uh, you know Hillary was pulling in a lot of votes and all this other stuff and there was so much attention to the popular vote but I already recognized that this was a very right. emotional election. And so it was hard for me to deal with because no matter who you are, you had an opinion on everything about it and everything around it. So um, as things continue to go, I remember looking and seeing the popular vote, knowing that the electors are actually what's going to decide the president. And I just expected that the electorals would run through for Trump again. And then toward the end when they did not, and there was an overwhelming response. Uh, I think it was, what was it? I think it was like that Saturday or something. We were waiting on like Pennsylvania or Arizona or uh, I want to say Ohio, but one of those other northeastern states, Wyoming. Detroit. And I don't even remember where that is, but I just remember the name. I mean, Michigan. <laughs> at this point. Um, yep. Because they were on the edge. And so whenever one of those big ones finally came through, I was like, oh, shoot, this is about to happen. Like, <laughs> let's go, you know. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> yes, sir. Come on. Like, my whole mood changed because I was like, I found out that I had uh let's just say colleagues that were Trump supporters and Trump voters and all this and that but you know we we work together and there's already a feeling like well if you support him then you obviously don't support my rights as a black man as an American citizen you know all this other stuff and so like I still got to look at you (laughs) but at the same time (laughs) what's going to happen if he gets put out of office, you know, so I'm over here, I'm loaded up, I'm ready for whatever. Like, I'm I'm not saying I'm waiting on somebody to kick my door in, but I'm expecting that anything can happen, you know, if he doesn't win. And once it was declared that Joe Biden was the president-elect, I was like, no, no, I'm still skeptical. I'm like, I'm waiting. I'm waiting on it to kick back, you know. And uh, it was really surreal for like four or five days because I was like, I know he's not going to accept this. And I know that he's going to pull some bullshit to like uh, shake things up and, you know, try to stay in office. And even to this point now, I'm like, I've really started to embrace the past month. I feel like that 
finally this is happening like it's supposed to happen. And I'm just, I'm happy, man. I'm glad that, uh, you know, that the nation uh, ended up putting people in place to be able to make the decision to get him out of there. Um, What's your personal opinion on Joe Biden? My personal opinion on Joe Biden is that he's going to have to do substantial work for the black community and America in recovery from this pandemic to have my approval. And Joe Biden actually lost my, uh, you know, my personal support. Like, oh yeah, I'm happy uh, to vote for him and, you know, whatever else, whenever he said, yeah, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I'm like, hey. what the fuck? Because, hey, man. Hey, hey, what? What that, like that rubbed me the wrong way. <laughs> right, like, and I'm not even going to pull out the draw four card and be like, you already know why we even care about you in the first place. I'm not going to hit him with that. We just going to hold, just going to hold that, say that for later. Like, we all know, but for you to do, you going to pull that out. Sir, I don't know what kind of Hennessy XO you've been sipping on. Hot sauce in her bag. Like, get her ass back. <laughs> got some hot sauce in your bag. Man, that joke was surreal. You know, so yeah, I honestly, I don't, I don't know how capable he will be. I would have loved to have seen Bernie Sanders in a place of um, of influence whenever it comes to more than what he is now because a lot of the ideas and the support the uh, oration that he delivers I really I like you know um, when you think about what a president should look like or what the leader of a country should act like that's not Trump he always, so it's though. easy to fall into a position where you're like you <laughs> belong in the chocolate factory <laughs> pretty much so you know it's easy to just say anybody other than him will be good you know but at the same time when you think about who who is actually going to do something and not just play politics mm. like a good politician you know, you gotta really look at does it matter who looks like they're in place or does it matter who's behind the scenes actually making the you. decisions? Uh, Donald Trump might be orange and look like an umpa but Joe Biden look like a weak old banana. Got the spots on him. I don't know if he's gonna he's gonna make it through his four years. <laughs> he gonna make it, man. He'll be all right. He, he gonna be all right, bro. Hey, Trump made it somehow, some way. Like I was so concerned at a certain point, just waiting to hear that there was an assassination attempt or you know somebody had tried to attack him. But well, I know he paid top flight security, man. Service gets you right. <laughs> Man, I guess I know they uh they must have been on it. He made them sign some serious stuff. Um, I guess 
Now it's not a lighter note, but it's shifting gears out of politics. Tell me what you think about mm-hmm. all the killings that's been, all the murder that's been going on in the rap world. Yeah, it's like in the rap world, it was like King Von, then. No, yeah, it was in that one. It was like King Von, then like three, three or four days later, it was Mo three, and then I never remember mm-hmm. how to say his name. I know he was a Chicago rapper. I think it's F F G D. Yeah, was it dark? His happened before that. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you think it like it came from? How they moving, like, um, as far as, like, how they move around, like, with security or things they should do or things you shouldn't do. It's like, I was like, damn. I think it's, uh, I think it's a mixture of things. Uh, the main thing that I want to say on that is that social media is fueling so many of these uh, these incidents that sometimes I feel like this is just perpetuation to the point where you recall uh, when XX died a couple of years. It's been a couple of years, I think. At and this now point. That was, yeah, that was like the middle middle of 2018, I think. Like barely. Or 19. When XX Tentacion died, um, it was a weird situation for me because I've, I'd heard of him, but I'd never listened to his music. And then uh, my brother did. And, you know, he felt some type of way because he really really liked his music and he was like you know dang I really want to work with this person blase blase and I realized what kind of influence social media had to the point where these guys get out here and they flash their money they flash their cars and I feel like coming up the only time I saw that was in music videos for artists you know your bad boys your uh, 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 rough riders you know, you'd have these cliques and groups, but I felt like it was understood whatever they do, they're doing behind the scenes and you don't really mm-hmm. see what yeah, they do at home, if that makes sense. And I think like Chop Beats had posted something one time and somebody was talking about they was going to come get him. And I just started paying attention to this stuff and I was like, it's nothing but for attention some of the things that they do but there's really people out here keeping up with them like oh I can go hit this lick on this dude he's stupid enough to tell me where he at well I'm gonna go ahead and load up on him you know I wanna say that's what happened with Pop Smoke because he had he had posted his uh, address somehow his address was in one of his posts his uh, Instagram posts or something and that's how they came and got him mm-hmm. on that home invasion. And that's kind of the same thing that happened with XXX. Like, he was getting ready to leave, uh, like, a motorbike shop or something. And, like, 
they pulled up in like a van or something mm-hmm. and boxed him in because he was sitting in his Lamborghini and they tried to rob him and they popped him. Right. For me, it's just like no reason, man. And then, like when it come out, what what stuff was it? What the situation be about? It be like for them to talk all that macho stuff. The reasons for the for what they do be it just it make you cringe. Like it sound like the whole King Von thing yeah. was about a girl that that's not even either one of the people girls that was involved in the situation. Like how does that work? <laughs> mm-hmm. And they get to, like I said, I feel like the uh, social media has so much to do with it because they try to embody all the hype. You know what I'm saying? Well, you know, I got this many followers and I said I'm going to do this if somebody ever do that to me. So, you know, I'm a man of my word. I ain't going to let my fans down. So I'm going to go ahead and pop this dude because he should have known better. You know, whatever. And like, it's crazy, bro. Like, the reality in the fact that you have the freedom to change your mind at any given time, these cats out here just showing off, I feel like, because there's a platform for it. And they're not taking responsibility as human beings enough to value life, enough to value the influence that they have on people. And I'll, I'll say this, Pop Smoke, I didn't, I didn't even know who he was till he got shot. Bump him a little bit, but and then I, was I, like, I had never heard of him. Yeah, I mean, he's coming from a generation that I don't have, you know, many ties to. So, it's like, if it hadn't have been for that, I probably wouldn't have heard his stuff for the longest time, but then all of a sudden, I'm starting to hear his tracks on the radio. I'm starting to you know, see all his posts come up. Like, it was the same thing for me with Lil Peep. And it wasn't until, like, he died that all of a sudden it's like, I'm, he's starting to get into the circles see, I barely you know, know who that, is. that I'm in. I heard that name, like, but I can't, when, I, when you say his name, yeah. I can't attach a face to it. And that's exactly how it happened with so many of these cats. Like, I may or may not hear a song bomb or like they be featured because I'll end up listening to a lot of radio at a certain point because I used to believe if it's not good enough to get on the radio then it ain't a good song or whatever until I bought somebody's album and now I was like oh it's always treasures you know here and there but anyway like I said I think uh, I think it's ridiculous uh, all the killings for no reason that these guys out here, I think sometimes they try to get involved in some of the street stuff that they have not done. They didn't come up like that because if they did, you understand it's cold on the streets where stuff is going to happen behind the scenes and you're not going to hear all the details because that's not everybody's business, you know, and the way things got handled for one. And then beyond that, you got guys out here that are saying they doing it and they really not at all. So you get on the other hand where it's the ones so saying why. they doing it and they really doing it and then you get to a point where 
like I've watched a couple of videos on a, a topic like this, and one person said you basically hustling backwards. And for me, that's the best way to put it. Because right. You yep. got millions of dollars, and you want to put that in jeopardy of feeding your family to be real or to try to show people you really living like that or whatever. Then you sit in the jail cell or you taking a dirt nap. Right. Looking stupid. Either way. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's okay, unfortunate, um, man. Kind of going back to COVID because it, it seems like um, even for even for doing what we're doing right now, like for the entertainment industry, it seems like either things are going out of business or because you know you won't be in a situation where you could go to the movies or anything like that. Like, what do you think about? Possibly, like the theatrical movies being like on services because it seems like a lot of the movies that's supposed to come out, like they holding they holding them back because they trying to see if we gonna be able to go in theaters, and that's a lot of movie studios that's selling off movies, like coming to America too. Yep. Was supposed to come out on Christmas, which is in a couple in a couple weeks, but they sold it to uh, Amazon. So yeah, I guess it'll be on Amazon at some point. And like a lot of movies are supposed to come out, gonna be on HBO Max, even though they still gonna be in theaters. But if theaters don't ever open, they're just gonna be on HBO Max. I think like like Space Jam Two is one of them. Uh, the Matrix 4 is one of them. Mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat is one of them. And uh, Wonder Woman uh, 84. So what do you think about that? Um, I'm going to first just say that I finally got a streaming device. I just got a, a, a Fire Stick like last week. And I finally was able to kind of see how that worked. I mean, I was streaming through Netflix before and I I think used Amazon Prime uh, to watch some movies and things, but the interface is very, uh, you know, straightforward and simple. But I realized how important it was whenever I went to the movies to see all the previews because it would get me excited to see something or just know I don't want to see something, you know, because I feel like I'm out of the loop now. So it's like, I feel like I'd have to go hunt down a movie or a film that I want to see. Because I see advertisements, but the ones that I see, I don't care about trying to watch them because I'm like, okay, I could sit home and watch anything else. You know, that whole theater experience is out the window right now. You know, unless I really just crank it up and try to, uh, uh, you know, use a surround sound or something. (laughs) So, um, I think 
I think as long as you have access to watch those things, you can still enjoy the movie, but it's not going to have the same effect. Like, I wish I could go to the theater and watch a movie. Uh, like Monster Hunter, What'd that's something I really want to see in theaters. So, oh, yes, yeah, Monster I Hunter, a trailer, and I was like, eh. it, it, it got me intrigued. I know it, it definitely got some star power. It got the original evil chick. I remember seeing Megan Good and T.I. Um, because um, mm. mm-hmm. like the only <laughs> movie I know for sure off the top of my head. Is, I want to see the supposed to come out next month. Well, was supposed to. I definitely want to see more to come back theaters. Oh yeah, same. Same here, man. I uh, I I remember seeing the first couple of Mortal Kombat's, like the official movies, and then I saw uh, like the fan made one, and that was pretty cool too. But it uh-huh. wasn't like you know real deal. It was just like a teaser almost, you know. They obviously didn't have the kind of money that these production studios do. And, you know, bringing characters back is important and stuff like that. But I've really, uh, I've always enjoyed movies that they derive from games that I played. I mean, yeah, I'm going to be a little critical for them, but I really uh, go to enjoy them and see what kind of spin they put on, you know, what I enjoy yeah, so much yeah, about whatever the game was. I'm just, uh, um, what do you think about, like, as far as us moving forward, like, once we got a pan- out of the pandemic, like, you know, we had out of racial unrest and all that type of stuff. How do you think that situation is going to go moving forward. I just want to say the next uh, podcast episode I had planned to do was on conspiracy theories. And I finally verbalized one that uh, coronavirus came because there was so much civil unrest and the only way to stop it was to release something to keep people (laughs) at home. Like, as crazy as it sounds, I was like, bro, we were on the edge of so much junk hitting the fan because we had so many killings unnecessarily, like, ramping up in the past few years. And then to have something blatantly happen, like George Floyd, and uh, I'm just start with George Floyd, and then have the leader of our country pretty much say he don't care and everything was fine and then go up there and congratulate the people that are in place I was like bro this is a slap to our faces you know and we're alive and we're here and we're living we're trying to you know enjoy life and you don't care about our our basic human rights and I'm like that's that's crazy now in Breonna Taylor's case yeah she busts back and I would too and I understand you know but at the same time everything that brought that whole situation to happen bro that's that's just not right so the system is going to have to change will it change I doubt it because it's been fine so far 
And yeah, we complain. Yeah, you know, whatever. But until there's a shift in the structure of it, these things will continue to happen. And we're just going to have to deal with them uh, on a case-by-case basis. I feel like uh, those back-to-back killings this past year really opened up conversation for for some people. Like, I remember, I'm going to just say RGM, for example. He came to me, and he came to a lot of people around, and he was, you know, trying to have the dialogue, trying to open the conversation to say, hey, I understand that this was a terrible situation, and I believe it was not right. You know, if there's anything that I can do, you know, to help make things easier for you around here, um, you know, let me know, or whatever. When all this type of stuff started happening, I was like, hmm. Really, everybody just trying to get ahead of the curve. That's how I, cause I couldn't make out of it whether people's being genuine or not because it seemed like in the aftermath of that situation, I feel some people was genuine, but really everybody was trying to save face and jump on the bandwagon. And most of them were. You could tell by the emails and communications that went out, especially when they started avalanching through. You know, you're getting the emails from companies that don't do nothing but send you sales papers talking about, you know, we care about <laughs> we care about minorities and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And, you know, it's just like, yeah, there was a lot of that. But we have further conversation beyond just that initial thing. So I could tell it was coming from a place of genuinely trying to understand the black experience as opposed to just going through the formalities. Right. And you could tell when they was on some bullshit too. So, you know, we get that, but you understand the feeling of the last place I want to be right now is in public. I I barely feel safe at home right now because, you know, the way the country is going, blase, blase. Um, now all of a sudden y'all kicking indoors, y'all killing people at home. I don't feel safe anywhere. I don't want to go to work. I don't want to go shopping. I don't know where I can go. You know, that type of deal. Uh, just based on what was happening. So I'm like, man, I, I can't see what it's going to take to change it. I'm like, we can, yeah, we can put the right people in place. Yeah, we can... Uh, you know, do the right things and whatever, but however somebody feels, whatever they put on that black and blue and they come out here and do stuff that ain't got nothing to do with the person that's in front of them we all gotta deal with the ripples of that, you know, and then they get to go home quote unquote (laughs) it's just it's not right, man it's not right you wrong. You wrong. Let's get you some motherfuckers up. <laughs> but then you wrong if you go shoot some motherfuckers up. You say what, bro? <laughs> right. You better not. You better not even say it. That's threatening. That's illegal. Yeah, We're coming after you. Yeah, you wrong. <laughs> like, nah, I need all of me because at this point. You punk bitching me, and now I gotta go home and try to explain, <laughs> try to explain myself. 
Yep. I think the biggest thing that kills me with so many of those situations, George, and I'm going to say racial, uh, even racial tension in general, is the provocation. You'll have a racist go up and provoke a minority into a situation where the person causing the issue says, Damn, oh, I fear right? for my life. Hey, I kind of had a conversation like this with my girlfriend yesterday. Because, hey, don't be coming over here poking the bear and then when I slice your ass up, now you want to... <laughs> <laughs> Now you wanna? <laughs> oh act man! Like you ain't supposed to get hey, your bro. ass told. <laughs> right, right. And see, it's hard for me to get into stuff like that with mine because she a social worker, and you know she's like all for people getting the help they need, and you know all that. She's very confident in everything, which I appreciate. And when we have conversations like that, I'm just kind of like. You know, I've, I've, I'm going to just reference back when all that stuff happened earlier this year. Whenever I w- got over the sadness, there was this rage, you know, that just kind of kind of filled my steps for a few days. And when we talked about it, it's kind of like, I don't want her to see, <laughs> you know, I don't want her to feel anything like I'm feeling right now, but at the same time, I knew she was so bothered by it too. And then she still got to go in and look at these folks every day. She still got to try to get them the help that, that they need. And it's like, what about what we need? You know, and so I think depending on where we are, like she was in a tough situation where, you know, obviously it's understood that we don't get the help we need. There were plenty of people that had mental, like legit mental illnesses, black people that got killed this past year on tape. Didn't nobody do nothing but sit there and record and ooh and ah. And we have white people every day come in, you know, certain places and do certain things, lighten up, you know, stores and malls and uh, music uh, concerts and things. And they just go, oh, well, they uh they suffered from this and that. Okay, but they still finna go back home and go grocery shopping and drive go-karts and down the freeway, you know. Tear them down and you gotta be a crackhead or Yep. Uh, he had a criminal record and you know, he stole from a place when he was eight years old. And he's always been a menace to society. And it's not even the anchors, you know what I'm saying? It's the people that are told to fill the teleprompters with this junk. It's programming, man. It's nothing but imagery. Like, you're going to say you fear for your life because you're told that you're afraid, you know? And I'm just like, man, this, this shit is stupid. So. I don't know, George. I I just man, that joint it frustrates me because I remember being at a point where I felt like I need to do something about this. I have to. Like I can't take this, you know. Like I know how to do this. I know these people. We're gonna get together and we're gonna do that and whatever. And I realized uh 
I think after reading Malcolm X's autobiography a few years ago, it hit me. I was like, you know, really the people that try to do stuff about this, they end up killed mm. by, <laughs> by the regulators, if you will. And then nothing happens. And I was like, I'm not ready for my support system to be demonized for me deciding to try to do something about this. You know, it's going to take more than just a few people. It's going to take a lot. And I think if we had the answer for what was necessary, then we would have already done it by now. So whenever all the riots and stuff happened, it was like, well, we got to do something, you know. And so many of Trump's cronies was like, well, you know, that's that's not the right way. And, yeah, <laughs> you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. When they well, hit the album. I was going to talk about what's the wrong and the right way. But if you would have been doing it right, <laughs> it wouldn't even be no situation. Right. Right. This injustice has to be acknowledged. Before it can be acted upon, it has to be acknowledged. Because it's a reality, you know. As long as you sit there like a like a ass with a towel over your eyes, talking about no, 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 no. Hee haw, hee haw, bro. When the shit happened. Actually, for the most part, I skipped all this sad shit. I just made. <laughs> like, see, hmm. niggas need to get get all the Glocks together and start go clapping white people. But see, that, no, that's kind of wrong. But at the time, I was like, that's wrong. I don't want to be right. <laughs> so I for an eye was the was a position you were taking on. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean the thing is, George, like that's still not gonna fix it. That would be just fuel. That'll be gas to the fire, in my opinion. So that's that's the part where I was like I, I've been around, well, let me put it like this. I've had a pretty diverse background, so I came up around a lot of white people. And, you know, Hispanic people, Indian people, uh, you know, natives and foreign type folks. So it's like I've had enough experience to know who around me is, you know, real and not stuff like that. So I was like, I would feel bad for those around me that would suffer from something like that. So I couldn't say that was the thing to do um, because I just didn't believe it, you know. And um, I'm not saying my mind has changed. I'm just like, it's a tough freaking situation because what can we do to release what we're feeling, you know? I mean, if you get wrong, do you take uh, somebody to court you get uh, oh, to, oh, almost there reparations, George. Almost. I was almost there. <laughs> but, I mean, shoot, you settle for this or that or, you know, you get something. What What would, What would? did we get? We were wrong and then we were told you need to sit down and shut up and get back to what you were doing before. 
that's the type of stuff you that was that's slavery so. dialogue, bro. You need some type of Wakanda, some type of Wakanda. That's that's really where I I think it needs to go. It probably should go because I honestly don't see the pathway. Of course, times could change. Things could change, but I really don't see a pathway to where things could be right, especially in my lifetime. Just to think about it, like, when all this stuff was going on, mm-hmm. I remember Bill Russell, uh, you know, the famous Boston Celtic player, you know, he won 11 championships and, you know, yeah, for sure. it was during the time period where everything still was segregated. And he was like, he was hoping that we would be to a point where things would be better now in 2020 than it was in 1962 or four or something like that. And it seemed like it kind of was worse. So I just hope like yeah. I'm 26 and you 32. So I will hope in our lifetime that things get better but I don't know I kind of don't want to hold my breath on it Um, I heard somebody say something to the effect of the civil rights movement really wasn't that long ago Um, you know it was less than a lifetime ago and I don't mean like 20 years I mean like you know, we know people in their 60s and 70s, so all this stuff that happened, it's not right. like it happened two, three hundred years ago. <laughs> so um, that's the scary part to know that it's still around uh, racism, that is, and that it's not done much but evolved through uh, about a generation and a half because those are the folks that are still uh, maintaining control. Those are still the people that are benefiting from the enslavement of our people. And they're not going, they're not planning to do anything to change it. The only thing that will change those people's minds, I think, that are in power will be the Mm. direct threat of extermination. And of course, they'll retaliate, you know, but that, uh, that would probably... Uh, be caused by you know the turning of their yeah, you will hope offsprings, so, sure. their descendants. I I'm pretty say. sure that's what they was thinking in the sixties. And I think what make it worse is what what make it worse to me that the, from now than what it was in the sixties. In the sixties, people was open with it. Now you don't know. I ain't gonna say you don't know who races, but mm-hmm. for the most part, you know, people gonna you know mass they shit whereas in the 60s it was commonplace so everybody's wild up with their racism or their prejudice and I, I think it was more widespread back then because being from the salt you know <laughs> salt. down here in the south <laughs> we, we face plenty of racism you know, even every day, but the only major difference is um, 
it's it's more upfront here apparently and i know it's a little cliche uh for us to say that racism is up front and in your face here in the south but it really is like if you spend any time in this area you know that there are places that you just don't go and it's not like a challenging thing it's like what i look like i was about to say what i look like walking through west little rock with uh, a big brown bottle or a brown paper bag and a big bottle and whatnot you know but west little rock even has changed in the past 20 years so you know gentrification has its effects and things like that but i just uh hold on hold on i need to backtrack i'm not finna be walking nowhere with no with no 40 and a brown paper <laughs> sack just for the record but Cold four five. I hope things get better. I want to try to make my step in the world. So, because like the the higher you go, maybe the more people you can touch. So, I hope I can. One day, you know, yeah, give my voice on situations and try to help people. But yeah, this shit is definitely crazy. Yeah, and that's my hope too. You know, we're on the same page as far as that's concerned because um, I know for myself, and I'm sure you probably share a bit of the same sentiment, is that some of the pain and ridiculous stuff that we've had to go through I would want other people to go through that if they could just hear about it you know like uh, the way wisdom is passed down is the simple fact that here's my story I went through this this is what happened you don't have to go through that because this can happen to you and I've heard a lot of stories through the years there are a lot of people that have been through a lot that have shared with me so um, to that degree there were certain things I felt like I didn't have to go through even if I chose to do it anyway you know so I think that is the best step that we can give you know to say um, there will be racism there will be times that you as a young black child will feel excluded you know, you're going to be facing situations where you're pit against other black people, you know, but it's going to be up to you to make the decision of what to do in that situation. You know, it's my hope this and my hope that, but realistically, you got to live your life. So I want you to have as much information as possible to make the best decision, but <laughs> help the culture, help yourself, <laughs> you know. Um, it's crazy man but that's the type of stuff that you know I want to leave my mark too so um, you know the best things we can do is what we can so, which but, trying to see if I got anything else and I think I'd have pretty much ran down my list. Oh, oh, I got something for you. All right, so 
if George was to name his podcast, it would be called dot dot dot. Probably be called it's simplistic, but probably GTV. I think it's catchy. Um, and it's <laughs> not like you got to type in 40 characters. Which is how many I feel like are in mine. I hadn't counted. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, purple, purple and gold or something like that. Gold blade, comma, purple haze. Let's see. One, two, three, four, five. Whoop. Can't forget the space. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen. Uh, um, twenty-five. Twenty-five, George. It took me that uh, long to count, but it is what it is. I, I think I probably got. No, I think I might got two, two more questions. I think I'll probably be wrapping it. Uh, what do you think about um, okay okay you know we had the whole Brianna Taylor situation what do you think about the role black women by going forward how do you think that role would change you know you got the whole Me Too movement and you got the whole women empowerment over like every genre going now do you know that I hadn't thought about the Me Too movement and I don't know how long like the last thing I remember hearing was uh, you know hashtag protect black women um, and that plays into I think this uh, this system within our society that pushed our black women to feel like they do not need black men. And um, I'm not going to obligate bl- black women to feel like they're nothing without a black man. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is that how can our culture be substantiated by others outside of it. We know we all know it takes a man and a woman to make a baby. Um our women lost a lot of us over these years to prison, to the streets, and the government stepped in and said, Here, we'll help you out. You don't need them. You just take this check and Take care of yourself. Take care of your baby. Mm-hmm. Take care of your family. You know, blase, blase. Uh, they've stepped in our place, and it's not our fault. I feel like as much as we fall for the trap, in that we as men, we do, we achieve, we do things. You know, um, and I was—I've uh, actually been reading a book recently. Um, entitled uh, The True Measure of a Man and the chapter I'm in now is kind of focusing on a man's identity not necessarily black man but 
just men in general and it talks about how much we have moved through a society to um to value ourselves only on what we produce you know where we are on our jobs what achievements we have what we've done in the community and stuff like that and i was telling my girl like i feel like so much of that stemmed from the sexual revolution a long time ago you know advances in uh uh what you call it uh like planned pregnancies and stuff like that birth control you know men used to pride themselves on being a father or a husband you know statuses of things outside of what is his character and now i don't think men get the same kind of respect and as black men we have to it's been said in a cliche way you know you can go out line online anywhere and see but we got to fight the white man on this job we got to fight the white man in public um you know we got to fight these bills we got to fight this and that and then we got to come home and fight with our wives too and our families because they don't believe in us and they don't support us they don't think we trying and blase blase I think the programming that we get I'm not saying that programming is unnecessary but the programming that we get from those that are going to push us forward as a culture as men as families that's the type of stuff that we need to latch on to not the junk that we see online not the junk that we come up with out of nowhere you know just for the sake of um i think it's going to take some cooperation uh from our black women to listen to us find our needs but then help us understand what we can do to help them meet their needs i think so many times women expect us to just know and understand but when communication fails so does everything else so I think uh, we don't we don't feel needed <laughs> as black men. And I, I hate to just turn that away from the women. I really hope that they're able to uh, get the rights that they deserve because, um, you know, women are essentially superior to us in so many ways. And I'm not trying to invalidate my my sex as a man I'm just saying that like women can do so many of the things that we can but at the same time there has to be a respect for who we are what we bring to the table and you know our needs as well so I think what happens is it becomes just a a finger pointing contest and complete invalidation and that's not right for trying to cooperate or um, get somewhere I mean for that right there yeah the identity thing can be a problem for time to time it's definitely a problem for me um cause like sometimes I be like do I cause there's certain characteristics about me that I like and I don't like which is you know normally with everybody else but you know I be like I don't want to be too much this way. Like, do too much of this, but I don't want to mess around and let a good characteristic I have suffer because I'm worried about that. 
But um, right. right. What do you think as far as uh, black men not wanting to date black women? Do you think that goes into like the stereotypes or just what type of person you are? I think that goes back into uh, the programming that I talked about because the kinds of people that we become are a culmination of the outside influences on us. Like no matter, I'm going to put it like this. Um, I learned in chemistry, of course, that you'll, you'll have products and you'll have reactants. So the products go through a reaction and whatever comes out are called the reactants. So all of us are born with our own personalities and identities, but to a certain extent, we become a product of our environment. You know, the experiences that we go through change us. And so if you are taught, you know, hey, uh, this is what you what you need to do. This is the type of person that you need to look for. It goes into the account for, you know, what kind of outlook we're going to have on certain things. And when stereotypes get uh, pushed into play, that's nothing but reinforcement toward those underlying boundaries. And so I don't think it's beneficial to black culture to um, to go outside of black culture because it basically dilutes it. It takes away the essence of what it is to be black. But at the same time, um, I mean, I've dated outside of my race before. So it's kind of like you like who you like. You know, there's a, a difference between attraction and, you know, uh, expectations, for example. So I may think, dang, uh, you know, years ago, I may be like, dang, I wish I had a girl that was rich. Dang, I wish uh, my girl would buy me something like uh, shoot a cheeseburger. You know, I don't even need no whole PlayStation. <laughs> nothing. Just, just give me something to eat. Help me out. <laughs> you know, I ain't, I ain't trying to deal with the ratchet around the corner who eating doggone ramen as a anniversary plate, you know. And I ain't talking about Aji off of uh, Shackleton. This ain't no restaurant or high class type stuff. It's just it's Marl China. So Yeah, man, I uh, I think there's a stigma when we go outside of our race. And it's black women that, that date like other guys too, white guys, Hispanic guys, whatever. Give me your top five NBA players and give me your top five wrestlers. Okay, top five NBA players. Um, no, oh, that's shoot. the only way to do it. I don't want to order them, George. I don't want to do it. It's a, it's I don't want to do it. Oh, man. Dang. Okay. Ah, shoot. 
Okay, number five. Uh, Homer. Steve Nash. <laughs> uh, number four. Uh, okay. Kevin Durant. Number three. Doggone it. Who is? Dang, okay. okay. Allen Iverson. Number two, right, right, Kobe. Man. And number one, Jordan. <laughs> okay, I, I didn't I didn't put LeBron on there. I'm not going to say why. <laughs> uh, I have a track record of hating on LeBron, but... <laughs> I just I hadn't given LeBron enough of a chance. I'm gonna just say that. So there's that. Um, okay, and my top five wrestlers of all time. Oh my gosh, I'm <laughs> I'm just gonna start off with number one. I know, may not be Hulk Okay, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um. Number two is probably The Rock. The Rock had like the best dialogue ever. Um, let me see. Number three. Oh, okay. Kofi Kingston. That, that's different. Yeah, yeah. Um, number four. Okay, I really because like for me, I was pro WWF and anti WCW, so I kind of really never watched WCW. I probably watched WCW on enough times to count on my hand. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's throwback. Um, and I guess the last one. Uh, okay. dang, it's a close one. Randy not Orton. A bad list, not a bad list at all. Would you want to hear mine or? Okay, top five. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's your list? Okay, number five. I'm gonna go AI. Um, number four. I'm gonna go Jordan because like I grew up when I was born, he wasn't playing basketball no more. Um number three is Carmelo. Number two mm, is Tracy okay. Brady. And number and number one T-Mac. is Brian. For the win. Okay. Okay. I understand. Top five wrestlers. Um, my my one and two actually flip flops. My favorite is The Rock. Number two is Stone Cold, but for me, it's kind of like hmm. uh, forty nine fifty. <laughs> 
I mean, 51, 51 and 49. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> well, you said 49, 50. I know what you meant, though. I got you. <laughs> right. Number 1% three undecided. Is, uh, <laughs> Goldberg. Man, Goldberg was my absolute favorite yeah, wrestler really for Goldberg. years, man. Uh, number four, Brock Lesnar. And number five, okay, Triple H. Okay. That's not a bad list. I think um, as far as the wrestlers are concerned, I saw a lot of those guys' careers kind of like, I saw the ups and downs of them because uh, I was aware of what was going on at the time. I feel like you can be alive, but you don't really know what's going on, you know, like around your first few years. And uh, I watched wrestling most of my life. So, I mean, I remember WCW, WWF, and then you know, the TNAs that spend off and uh, whenever they merged. I remember the NWO days. I remember before that, you know, so I'm just like uh, it was always some new exciting thing going on and I feel like it'll happen every couple of years, but you would keep up, you know, every week, so uh, I I get that. And then on the, uh, the NBA players, I think about who was hot, who was up and coming, you know what I mean? whenever uh, I was going through my different phases. So, like, I'll never forget being in elementary school <laughs> and I had a crush on on Brandy. And so, like, <laughs> uh, it's like uh, we heard about this player because we were getting, like, these weekly mm-hmm. magazines in one of my uh, classes we were in about, you know, who's who, what was going on, and all that type of stuff. And so then you hear about this guy that takes Brandy out to the prom. And I was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Kobe, he's got a name. That's fine, whatever. And then next thing you know, I started seeing him like midair dunking and all this stuff. I'm like, oh, man. And he's young, you know, so you end up kind of relating to him a bit more than, uh, you know, your admiral and your... uh, you know, Sean Kemp, a lot of these other players that were older that had played in the previous generations, you know, and they were on their way out. So um, that's another reason why, like, I remember it hurt so much when he died because I felt like I grew up knowing who he was and, you know, all that other stuff. So um, it's just kind of what it is. You get attached, man, yeah, to these be, celebrities and people in, uh, in high of, places. Uh, whenever the and, rock uh, dies. Whenever Stone Cold died, whenever like I'm a big Shaq fan, like whenever Shaq died, I'm just hurt. <laughs> yeah, and the hard part is, you know, it's coming because these guys have taken so many, uh, you know, drugs and things like that. And I don't mean like just straight up illegals. I just mean like performance based things so they can perform. And it has a toll on the body, man. That's why The Rock, I feel like he's having a hard time keeping up right now. 
because I've seen him uh, do some videos and stuff, and I'm just like, bro, you still <laughs> huge, but I can tell like you went and got a couple shots like, or something. You want to come to the wrestling <laughs> thing, like, so I don't know, like, because I had recently wrote a paper, like, uh, probably one of my first times, not probably not my first, but one of the times I can remember me writing about wrestling. Like for me, see, you you older than me, so you seen more. Like for me. You know, like I said, I basically watch mostly WWF, so I really seen like everything after Bret Hart. So, and then it just made me start thinking, mm-hmm. like, what if, uh, like, if he never left, like, would only still be alive, or? I started thinking about scenarios and like, what if uh, Shawn Michaels never lost his smile? What that, what, like, if he would have never left, you know, he came back like in 2002 or something. If he would have never left, would we still had, would Triple H still would have been Triple H? Or would The Rock be The Rock? So I started Right. Right. And those that's those what ifs, man. Like you never really know, but you can't do nothing but help like, think about it. Cause I just always feel like what would it end up happening because just the way it always used to happen, it's like either trip either Sean Marcus would have turned on Triple H at some point or vice versa, but when you go past that point, like, because Shawn Michaels left, like, okay, do he still form the version of, D, D, of D-Generation X that I know as in, you know, Road Dog and yeah, like, does that still happen if Shawn Michaels still and the rest of the crew. So, I started thinking about stuff like that. Mhm. Man. Yeah, I hadn't. I had watched wrestling in years, Those man. Were, like, like regularly. The, I know who like, a few of them are here or there. Raw is but it's like Raw is unwatchable. Smackdown. <laughs> is it that bad? Almost unwatchable. <laughs> the, the only thing WWE got oh, going man. right now is Roman Reigns. They finally decide to turn him heel, and he doing his thing. That's that's the only thing I can take out of WWE right now. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's what's up. Roman Reigns. I remember when uh, when I first realized who he was because I'd heard his name being tossed around, and I saw him. I was like, dang. I wanted to give me some tattoos like that, like some tribal types, you know, with a whole sleeve. And The Rock had uh, something similar, I think, at a certain point. But I was like, dang, I, I thought about doing it. But now I'm kind of <laughs> like, I, I know I, I wouldn't be able to pull it off. I ain't bright enough. Right. <laughs> I feel like I, I just had something I need to wipe off my arm. <laughs> yeah, he probably, like, it's like, but yeah, they have... They have talent, but it's just the things that they do with them. You just be like, 
like, why? <laughs> yeah, story like. You mean storyline wise or just like? like oh man, I'm about to watch these little clips and see what I want to see out of it, and I'm about to go on, get on up out of here because y'all only bull job. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to yeah. say that's all I got. Man. Okay. Well, that's cool, man. I think it was a good run. Um, and that's that's all I have. Uh, my only uh, caveat. Let me try to use a new word. <laughs> if he start to get desperate, he might use words he don't really understand. <laughs> um, but the only thing I think I'm gonna say that I'm concerned with right now is because I know I got a call coming through here. I hope it didn't mess up the audio, but we'll see. I'm gonna check back by the time we end the recording. But um, appreciate you, George. Thanks for coming through, bro. Um, I think we covered a lot of good ground yeah, today, and uh, you uh, I can't to wait to be a guest on your podcast. So Oh, yeah, yes, that's for sure. Um, and we cool, so, you know, I'm going to let you go ahead and take the, uh, <laughs> okay. the new badge of Purple Haze Affiliated. Yes, sir. So, you know what I'm saying? I, I appreciate you for coming in, and you're definitely welcome back. So next time we, uh, we're going to cover something, right. uh, we're going to get to it. And I'm all the way out Take back like we always do. <laughs> Uh, all the way at you. <laughs> all the way. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, like you like you, my bro, George. <laughs> <laughs> See? Spoken like a true one. <laughs> all right, bro. Appreciate you. Toe out. <laughs> I mean, that's since 4 o'clock this morning. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, yep. That's right on time, <laughs> sir. You pushing 12 and 12 have oh shoot, almost 13 now. I probably I'm, I'm most likely man, waking up like knocked out. Night, so I probably give me some cough syrup or something to make me go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wayne. <laughs> All right, bro. No one. I plead the fifth. I plead the three, four, Okay. Hey, I hope y'all enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening to the Gold Blade Purple Haze podcast. I'm not going to hold you up, but. Y'all are awesome. Keep doing your thing, and we'll be back soon enough with the next go. Peace. Hey, one last thing. I want to ask something of you. I want you to let me know what you want to hear about. I'd love to cover specific topics that you have in mind so that I can actually engage with you. So what I want you to do is head out to my Instagram at 
red alert 142 that's r-e-d-a-l-e-r-t 142 or you could also email me at therealpurplehaze at gmail.com i'd love to cover some of these things so let's have that chat so till next time peace love and coconut hair grease